Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans, with this message entitled, The Reign of Original Sin. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 5. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we live in a sinful, arrogant world where each sees himself as God and so good. But we thank you today for the presence of your Son, our Lord, with us. The presence that humbles us and lifts us up. We thank you for your word which convicts us of our sins and gives us forgiveness of sins and joy of your eternal salvation. We know we are truly in your holy church because here we are not entertained. We are humbled. And we are raised up to God's presence, especially by the preaching of your word. Speak to us, O Lord. Humble us and raise us up in your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Extra ecclesiam nulla salus. Extra ecclesiam nulla salus means outside of the church there is no salvation. That doesn't mean in every church there is salvation. Thousands and thousands of churches in this country and throughout the world, you will find no salvation. Salvation is found where the gospel is preached. A gospel that first humbles us, casts us down to dust. A gospel that also raises up to the presence of God. All other churches are synagogues of Satan. And today we want to speak to you from Romans 5, 12 through 14, which speaks about the reign of sin and therefore the reign of death because death is punishment for sin. In other words, this section of scripture tells us the universality of sin and the universality of death. What is human problem? Why wars, plagues, rape, adultery, economic chaos? Why abortion? So the question is, what is human problem. Why people kill, murder, steal, rape? St. Paul gives us the key to unlock the meaning of all human history and human problem. In this passage, especially chapter 5, 12 through 21, we see all human history Described in terms of the history of two men. 
two men, Adam and Jesus Christ. All peoples of the world are represented either by one or the other man. The problem of sin, condemnation, and death came through the first Adam, the first man, and the solution of righteousness, justification, and eternal life came through the last Adam, also called the second man. The Swedish theologian Anders Nygren refers to this passage, the highest, the high point of the epistle. The key to the exposition of Romans. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says he considers Romans 5, 12 through 21 undoubtedly the most important section in a sense in the whole of this wonderful epistle. And I would say Romans 5, 12 through 21 is the key to interpret all scriptures and all human history. If you want to know why people are bad and do bad things, then study this passage. If you want to know why a sinner cannot save himself, then read this passage. If you want to know that the little man's audacity of his hope will not save him, then read this passage. If you want to know human salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, then read this passage. If you want to know the mother of all doctrines, union with Christ, then read this passage. If you want to be fully assured of your ultimate salvation, then read this passage. But today we shall consider chapter 5, 12 through 14, that deals with the universal reign of sin and therefore death. And so it begins by saying, therefore. And that is giving us some explanation, some reason. And look at it and understand it. Why this section? What is the reason? For the reason of all what he said so far. Up to chapter 5, verse 11. If you want to know that your salvation is sure and certain, then read this section. It is especially linking with chapter 5, verse 10 and 11 in regard to our ultimate salvation. Verse 10, we read, For if when we were God's enemies, 
we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved ente so is, so is our too. In his life. How much more we shall be saved in his life. It is important to grasp Paul's reasoning. If we want to enjoy full assurance of our ultimate salvation now. And in the hour of your death. We are in Jesus Christ. We are in his life. We are united with him inseparably. Because he lives and never dies again, we shall in him also live forever. So the question is, if salvation, complete, full salvation is found in his life, in the life of Christ, then the question naturally arises, what was the problem? What was the problem? The problem, we were united with Adam, who sinned against God's specific command. And God dealt with him, not just an individual, but as our federal head, as our representative. So when he sinned, the biblical logic is we sinned in him. Adam sinned, he was condemned, and he died. In him, our representative, our federal head, we sinned, we were condemned, and we died. So we read in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men. But now we thank God. Thank God. Why, sir? Because we are in Christo, in Christ. No longer in Adam. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of death, into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of life, into the kingdom of his dear son. We are in the sphere of life. Forever and ever. Not only we are forgiven, justified, and reconciled, but we are in Christ. In the sphere of his life. Inseparably united to Christ who is our life. And Jesus himself taught this. I am the vine, you are the branches. And turn with me to John 17 and verse 21. He speaks about this union and communion 
of us with him. John 17 and verse 21. That all of them may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us and so on. Coming to Romans 5 and verse 12, St. Paul says, he begins a comparison. As even so pattern. But he does not complete the comparison in verse 12 if you look at it. Had he completed, it would have read this way. As through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men whom he represented, because all sinned in him. Even so, that's a comparison, Righteousness entered the world through one man, Jesus Christ, and life through righteousness. In this way, life spread to all men whom Christ represented, for all obeyed in Jesus Christ. That is the comparison. So we see here the principles of representation and imputation. Two men representing two classes of people. The effect of each man's response to God's word, disobedience or obedience, is imputed. To all whom each man represents. So Romans 5, 12 through 14 reveals representation of Adam. His response to God's specific word. What was it? Disobedience. And the effect of that disobedience is what? Sin condemnation and death. Number four, this effect is imputed to all the descendants of Adam. Indians, Chinese, Japanese, Caucasians, no difference. Every human being descended from Adam. So sin, condemnation, and death imputed to all descendants of Adam. And don't get angry right now, but at the end I'll say something. It will make you happy. So just hold on. Hold on. I understand your problem. (laughs) Mm. All sinned in Adam. All are condemned in Adam. All die in Adam. And then, at the end of verse 14, we are told... That Adam is a two-paws, a type, a pattern of the coming one, the Messiah, the second man, the last Adam. Through whose obedience, righteousness, justification, 
and eternal life will come to all his offsprings. So in this passage, chapter 5, 12 through 21, notice the word one, hen, hen, one appears 12 times with reference to one man Adam, one man Jesus Christ, one sin, and one act of Christ's obedience. Adam and Christ are the responsible parties. You begin to wonder, hey, who sinned first? It was Eve, then how come she is not here? The answer is what? She was not the responsible party. She was not the head. Adam was the head. Adam and Christ, I want you to understand, they are historical persons. You go to the university and ask any professor, do you believe in Genesis 1 through 3? And I would say 99.9% of people would say what? Not at all. <clears throat> if you believe in the history city of Genesis 1 through 3, you are stupid. They would say, you are a fool. It is to be understood mythologically, they would say. Friends, if Adam is not historical, then there is no fall. There is no sin. There is no need for redemption. There is no need for Jesus Christ to come and die for our sins. But I don't believe what they believe. I am in good company with Jesus Christ and St. Paul. Paul believed Adam was historical. There is no other way to understand this passage. Jesus believed Adam was historical. For Jesus opposed divorce by stating, but at the beginning of creation, God made the maid male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He was speaking about Adam and Eve. So he believed in the historical Adam. The whole Christian position, friends, collapses if we reject the literal historical Adam. That's why we outright deny the validity of evolutionary hypothesis. So we are told through one man named in verse 14 as Adam, sin invaded the world, meaning all people. If you read the text in the Greek language, you see sin is here personified. The sin invaded. Which means sin is a mighty force. Sin is pictured as a king in verse 21. Sin rules. Sin makes all people its slaves. Romans 5, 2 is speaking not about the origin of sin, but the origin of human sin. Sin existed before Adam sinned. Sin came through the devil. 
Romans 5, 12 gives us the true diagnosis of the world's problem. It is not lack of education, not lack of money. What is the problem? It is sin. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Reject this verse, chapter 5, verse 12, and you will have no clue of the problem of the world, the problem of your family, the problem of your church, the problem of your nation. And you will also be clueless in terms of the true salvation. And you'll be in good company with politicians and philosophers and academicians and unbelieving scientists and the heads of corporations. They're all fools if they don't believe in Jesus Christ and in the account given in this book. Through one man, Adam, sin invaded the world. Sin intruded. Sin came in from the outside through the door of Adam. The world God created was very good. God said so. Now it is spoiled by by this invasion of sin. Paul is referring to Genesis 3. Through sin, death entered the world. Death is penal. Death is punishment. It is the punishment for sin. And here death also is personified. Oh, Thanatos. Death also is a mighty force. It is pictured as king in verses 14 and 17, if you read it. Death comes to all sinners. There is no respect of persons. The rich and poor die. Doctors and patients die. Professors and ignorant people die. Sin is king. So death is king. Sin appears unconquerable. So also death. Death is, friends, comprehensive, spiritual, physical, and eternal. It is, in its highest sense, separation from God. It is hell. God warned Adam about this punishment. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it dying, you will die. In the Hebrew text translated, you will what? Surely die. So what St. Paul tells us in Romans 6 verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Master sin pays wages without fail. To all his slaves in the currency of death. Friends, death is not natural. Sin is not natural. They are intruders into this world. Ignorant, educated people say death is natural. 
as Dr. Lloyd-Jones would say about unbelievers' statements about death. They said death leads to life by liberating nitrogen that is needed to form the molecules of new life. This verse teaches us there is universality of sin and so universality of death. Dr. Lloyd-Jones says the world is a place of cemeteries. Human sin began with Adam. And so human death began with Adam. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 5. Let's read the Hebrew word Wayamoth. Wayamoth. You know what that means? Anybody knows? And he died. Let's take verse 5 about Adam. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, Wayamoth, and he died. And you read this in verse 8, verse 11, verse 14, verse 17, verse 20, verse 27, verse 31. Death spread to all men. Wayamoth, and he died. All people everywhere die. Man is born to die. There are so many breaths you take. It is determined. You come into the world breathing. And you deplete the number of breaths. And then you die. Two dates mark a man and a woman. Birth and death. Who can stop King Death from killing people? Who can conquer death? And through sin, Adam became mortal. Today, man tries to become immortal. He shall fail unless he is united by Christ to the heaven-sent conqueror of sin and death, even Jesus Christ. And so finally, we are told the last part in verse 12, why death spread to all men? That's the question. What is the answer? Because Pantus Hematon, all sinned. And we want to look at this phrase, because all sinned. What does it mean? One may say, all do personally sin. It is true. Except infants. Isn't that true? All personally sin. Or some people say, all have corrupt sin nature. It is true, including infants. All were in the loins of Adam, and it is true. And we read about it. In Hebrews 7, 9 through 10. What does it mean all sin? Let me give you the correct interpretation. All sin based on this representative principle. Adam was the representative of all his descendants. He was their federal head. So God appointed him. 
So the effect of his response to God's specific direct word is imputed to us. When he sinned, therefore, we sinned. That's what it is. Notice, Pantus hematon, all sinned. It doesn't say all sin. All sinned. With reference to something that happened in history in Genesis 3. All descendants of Adam sinned when Adam sinned. Based on this representative principle which God uses whether you like it or I like it. That means, friends, Adam's sin is our sin. His guilt is our guilt. His condemnation is our condemnation. His death is our death. Our sin's punishment. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, we read, In Adam all die. So you ask, why? And the answer is given in Romans 5, 12. For in Adam all sinned. We all sinned in Adam. Not we all sinned like Adam. See the difference. Or put it in another way. We are righteous in Christ. Not like Christ by obeying God fully and perfectly. In the one sin of one man, Adam, we all sinned. And who are you to quarrel with God who operates on the basis of his own principles? Because all sin, not all sin, all sinned in the past in Adam in Genesis 3. Take a look at chapter 5, verse 18. Say, if you don't listen to this, you will have no hope. Chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men. Verse 19, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were constituted sinners. Notice, in 5.12, Paul is not dealing with our many sins. That is not what he is dealing with. He will deal with, he will touch on it in verse 16 and verse 20. But that's not what he is dealing with here. In 5.12, he is dealing with the one sin of one man, Adam. Our God appointed representative in whose sin we sinned. He is speaking of our original sin, for which all are condemned and all must die. Professor Murray, my own professor at Westminster, he writes this in his little book, Imputation of Adam's Sin. He says, number one, notice then, you have to look at the book, the immediate conjunction between the sin of Adam and the death of all. Immediate conjunction. Number two, 
Look at the immediate conjunction of the sin of Adam and the condemnation of all. Number three, the immediate conjunction of the sin of Adam and the sin of all. He tells you something, it is the sin of all, sin of Adam is responsible for the sin, condemnation, and death of those whom he represented. One may argue there was no law, a Jew may argue there was no law until Moses, where there is no law, there cannot be any transgression of the law, and so sin cannot be put into the account of anyone. Only Adam had a specific command which he violated. But Paul argues that the external written law is not necessary to prove the universality of sin. In other words, sin was in the world even before law was given. Sin was in the world from Adam to Moses to us. It's still working, isn't it? Sin is in the world and death is in the world. Whether there is a law or not law. Death reigned on all people. Ask the question, why death reigns over all people or simply why all people die? What's the answer? Come on, sir. They all sinned. How do you prove they all sin? They die. Because death is what? Punishment for sin. So the argument is all are sinners and all sinned in Adam. Death is the punishment of sin. Gentiles who never had an external written law, they die. Why? Paul says they descended from Adam. They sinned in Adam, so they die. Koreans die, Indians die, Japanese die. And let me make this point. Infants who do not sin personally, die. You see, sir, Adam should have known about it. He understood the terrible implication of his disobedience. You see, sin means you don't care about anybody. You just sin for your own pleasure. Infants die. They sinned in Adam as well. In other words. And you will see an illustration of this principle. In Achan. He says I did it. I did it. I looked. I coveted. I took. And then notice in the, in the Greek and in the English. And they are hidden. No, 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 Achan, you're lying. You hid it. But then you notice, not only he was killed, his sons and his daughters in Romans 7. William Barclay, a great man, he was a good exegete. Let me read what he says about this verse. Adam sinned because he broke a direct commandment of God. 
The Lord did not come until the time of Moses. Now if there is no law, there can be no breach of law. That is to say, if there is no law and no commandment, there can be no sin. The men who lived between Adam and Moses did in fact sin, but it was not reckoned against them because there was not yet any law. And they could not be condemned for breaking a law which did not exist. Number three, but in spite of the fact that sin could not be reckoned to them, they all died. Death reigned over them, although they could not be accused of breaking a non-existent law. And here is William Barclay, his correct exegesis. Number four, why then did they die? They died because they had sinned in Adam. It was their involvement in sin of Adam that caused their deaths, although there was no law for them to break. That, in fact, is Paul's proof that all men did sin in Adam. There is no other way to explain it. There is a divinely instituted solidarity Under the headship of Adam and Christ, God deals with men in terms of this solidarity principle. We were in solidarity with Adam. Now, thank God, we are in solidarity with Christ. Hallelujah. Adam was our head. Now, thank God, Christ is our head. As we are condemned on account of what Adam did as our representative, so we are justified on account of what Christ did as our representative. So in Romans 4, 5.14 says, Paul introduces here the second man, the last Adam, who brings us righteousness, justification, and life through his one act of obedience, specifically his atoning death. Adam, he says, is a type of the coming one. Who is the coming one promised in the Old Testament? The Messiah. The Messiah, friends, reversed forever what Adam did. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die, but in Christ all will be what? Made alive. Hallelujah. All who belong to him. And I belong to him, sir. You belong to him, sir. Hallelujah. All who belong to him by faith, all who are now receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Christ came to reverse what Adam did. In Adam, we died. In Christ, we live, sir. Adam has his descendants. Christ has his descendants. You read Isaiah 53 verse 10. We are his offspring. We are his children. We are his brothers. Now you say. My listeners. You say. Pastor I do not understand this solidarity principle. This principle of representation and imputation. I answer to you. Neither do I understand it. I do not understand an infinite personal God who created the universe out of nothing. I do not understand Trinity, one God in three persons. I do not understand the two natures in one person of Christ. I do not understand virgin birth. I do not understand God, man dying on the cross. I do not understand the mystery of iniquity. I do not understand grace, 
I do not understand heaven or hell. You may ask, is it fair to put the sin of Adam to my account? I ask you another question. Is it fair to put the righteousness of Christ into my account? Is it fair for God to justify the ungodly and reconcile his enemies? It's a good question. I don't understand it, sir. But I rejoice in the fact once I was in Adam in his sin and condemnation and death, but now, thank God, I am in Christ in his righteousness, in his justification, and in his eternal life. My salvation is totally secure. I don't understand it all, but I am rejoicing all the way to heaven. So, friends, those in Christ, rejoice with me all the way to heaven. And then we will ask him all the questions. And if you are still in Adam, I say to you, repent and receive the abundance of grace. And you'll be transferred from Adam to Christ. You will be justified and you will receive eternal life and then you will sing the praises of God bless all of us we pray in Jesus name Amen you have been listening to Grace and Glory audio of this message entitled The Reign of Original Sin come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew